Hey people, how's it going, going, going? Um, there's a delay as Wally was telling me off, off the air right now. Obviously, just one day delay because this should actually come out Tuesday uh-uh. morning. Tell um, me off. Oh. Off air. Like off Guys, I'm air. so sorry. <laughs> I am... Um, as David's song goes, I had to be unavailable, but unavailable. And we took, well, no, that we, I took my recording my gear away to record while I was away. When I got there, it turned out that it was not possible to record at all. So I had to wait till I got back. And as I, as I got back, I had to jump straight into recording. So thanks to Toby for the patience and thanks to you guys as well. Definitely can't let you down. Back on the grind. Back on the grind. Yep, yep, yep. And I'm also dealing with like weird internet challenges over here. So hopefully it doesn't affect the conversation too much. Um, but we'll, we'll give it a shot. All right. So we talked about long distance relationships. A guide to long distance relationships was the title of the episode. And essentially what we were doing was trying to understand Okay, in this world where everyone is geographically dispersed, the likelihood of people being involved in LDRs, as we call them, at some point or the other is quite high. So what are the frameworks or things or tools or things, questions you can think about to ensure success? And we then went ahead to define success as, um, what what do you define it as again? Satisfaction, stability and satisfaction. satisfaction. Yes, exactly. Stability and satisfaction. So if you are on our Patreon, well, okay, this part of the episode will get on the, I guess, uh, preview. But to our Patreon folks, we also shared um, more details in terms of just a recap of the episode and all the different things, which will become live at some point, maybe at the end of the season. But you get first dibs into looking at the framework we put together and just a highlight of that framework. So anyways. So this episode, as you guys on Patreon know, we watched Going to Distance, which is a movie in 2010 that spoke about, or that really was the theme of, of the conversation. So I'll just quickly read the plot um, and then we'll dive straight into the conversation. I did a bit of, while Wally was sort of like driving the other episode, I'm going to drive this on a bit because I did a bit of, not research, but just a couple of questions and categories and scenes that really spoke uh, to. Lucky me. Say lucky you. <laughs> lucky me. So, anyways, here's the plot. Eric Erin Langford is a graduate journalism student recently hired as a summer intern at an NYC newspaper. Out with a friend at a bar, she meets Garrett, uh, who interrupts her game of centipede. They drink together and end up at his place. Blah blah blah. Eric and um, okay. The next morning, before she can leave, Erin agrees to have breakfast with him, telling him she's only in the city for six weeks. They agree to keep it casual. Erin and Garrett, which is the guy, soon develop feelings for each other. Um, she tries to get a permanent placement at the paper, but she doesn't. Um, and then when Erin's six weeks are over, she and Garrett find it difficult to let go. So remember, they said they were going to keep it casual because she was only in town for six weeks. But after six weeks, they developed feelings for each other and it was difficult to let go. So anyways, after driving her to the airport and saying goodbye, Garrett runs after Erin, admitting that he's crazy about her and wants to have a long-distance relationship, to which she agrees. Over the following months, Erin and Garrett spend their free time trying to figure out when they can see each other. He gives her a surprise visit on Thanksgiving. Um, after an emotional reunion, um, yeah, they go back to her place, blah, blah, blah. In January, 
Erin calls her from her boss, but they're not hiring. So she calls, when before she left the internship in NYC, the boss told her to check back again in the new year. So this is January and she calls the boss, but they're not hiring. So unable to find comfort in a phone conversation with Garrett, she gets drunk with Damon, uh, which is a boss at the bar that she works in, and she almost kisses him, but she goes home. Um, a professor recommends her for a position at a newspaper in her current town. So Erin lives in San Francisco and Garrett lives in New York, just to give context. So Erin's professor at school, uh, she's in grad school, recommends her for an opportunity in a newspaper in her hometown or where she is. A month later, oh, Garrett tries to have a phone. Oh, Garrett tries to have phone sex with Erin, but it ends up being awkward, leaving both feeling ridiculous. A month later, while Erin is packing for a weekend in New York, she gets a call from the newspaper and is offered a job. Upon arriving in New York, she tells Garrett about the job offer, blindsiding Garrett with the news. Their happy reunion quickly dissolves into a fight, causing Erin to spend the rest of her trip at a friend's. They make up the next day and she calls a week later saying he wants her to move, or he calls her a week later, later saying he wants her to move to New York City, live together and start afresh. She agrees, but while visiting San Francisco to sort things out, a conversation with Erin's sister, so Garrett had a conversation with Erin's sister, it makes Garrett realize that he shouldn't be the reason Erin turns down the job. They part ways after an emotional conversation and a long hug at the airport. Um, so six months later, Erin's career is going well. Um, so she and Garrett have broken up at this point. But long story short, um, he gets a gig in San Francisco and then he moves there and I guess happily ever after and all of those things. But yeah, that's the plot in three, four minutes. Um, so yeah. What did you think about the movie before I go on my tirade? So I've definitely seen the movie before we um, watch it now. Mm. And obviously watching it again, yeah, things pop, pop back to your head. I, th- I think it was a good movie of long distance. It's a lot of things, things were covered in terms of the influence of people around you, mm-hmm. your relationship, uh, the difficulty of the time zone difference, which was which applied to them. Mm. Um, also, just the difficulty of managing um, jealousy and uh, those kind of thoughts when somebody else is in their lives and they make you jealous, things like that. Mm. Um, you also highlighted other issues of, you know, trying to make your career paths align. Mm. Or maybe, not, maybe not trying actively, but when life brings, brings things happen together, you know, trying to make that align. But lately when they had like very, they even had very um, unorthodox careers. I mean, she was a, trying to be a writer, a journalist. He's trying to be a mm. um, manager of bands. But you, I mean, you one can say that that's a very flexible kind of career path that can make you move anywhere. Mm. But at the same time, it looks like it's very, very specific mm. because you can probably be a, a bank, an investment analyst anywhere. Mm potentially but you probably cannot be a band manager anyway because music and entertainment is centered around certain parts of your country yeah yeah so i, I so i thought it revolved very well around many long distance themes properly um and the ending was quite i guess was realistic mm. um obviously life life happened for them so they're lucky um but then it was <laughs> realistic it wasn't too fake yeah, the ending yeah, that's true. was realistic a little bit, um, but I mean, I think I think they, they also needed to have some luck. 
because um, that's probably one out of 20 couples that ended up like that because they had to have luck in that because he had to take a risk with his career mm. and that's work that doesn't always work for him to have had to end up leaving one hour from her which is actually and I like that that it was one hour away not like the exact well, same place not yeah. like the exact same place one yeah. hour so it was still long distance but a better long distance yeah, um, yeah. I mean so one hour flight six hour drive um, true, which is true. My, which is better than than New York to San Francisco, which is like east to west. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, so good movie overall. I mean, a, a classic rom com for for popcorn and and cold nights, I guess. <laughs> but it was yeah. decent, decent movie. Yeah, absolutely. So my only gripes with it were, and I think I messaged you, you know, while I was watching it, was just like how long it took to get to the meat of the story. Like for a movie whose runtime was what a hundred and two minutes, so that's an hour twenty minutes, no, an hour forty minutes thereabout. Like the first hour, and then some. Like it was just they spent so much time building up that I don't know up and down thing of being in a long distance relationship, and there was there was a lot of banter packed in that like first hour you get so. I don't know, for me, I just felt like towards the end of the movie, we then started to get into the meat of the matter, which I felt could have started maybe half an hour earlier into the movie. And what was it the was, meat of the matter? Like, just when they started to speak about, like, the challenges and actually not try to overshadow it with, like, jokes and whatnot. Like, I feel like, you know, them trying to have phone sex and all those sorts of things, like, I guess it, it's depicting some of the problems and challenges, but I feel like they spent more time doing the banter and jokes and maybe this person saying this or this person saying that or the husband walking in on them having sex on the table as opposed and then they just showed all the other things in glimpses which is maybe him looking at flight tickets and realizing how expensive it is like i've i don't know i just felt the distribution was a bit because it's a wrong com but the distribution was a bit weird for me um or maybe i'm just trying to i was trying to raise the standards because i know the kind of movies you like to watch so maybe there's also <laughs> that part of it as well but i don't know i just felt that they probably could have done a lot more with what the end of the movie was um, as opposed to some of the other like joke things that they did in between at the start. Yeah, but if you add context to it, this came out at a time when this was, this kind of stupid jokes were very common, like a dumb housemate. Yeah. Um, a enough. dumb husband to the sister. Not dumb, but perhaps a Socially, uh, yeah. family guy-esque kind of husband. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was quite common in those days of 2010s or maybe 20, 2010s, yeah. Mm, mm, mm. This kind of thing. So I guess and it was it was mass appeal kind of movie. Yeah. Um. So I'm, I wasn't surprised to see that, to be honest. Yeah. Um, well, they did. But judging from our last conversation, there was a comment in the chat that somebody said that we should talk about why they fail. I don't know whether I missed... I. I I don't know that I'm not saying what they said, but maybe I should track it back. But there's a comment in the whimsical where someone mentioned yeah, I that know we should talk about yeah. why they fail or why something. I can't remember what it was, but so it's, it was more of like a negative. How to realize, yeah, how to realize yeah. that your LDR is not working because some people think they still have a relationship after they've been ghosted for months. Ah, okay, no, that's a different topic. Go. If, <laughs> if you think that you have something after having ghosted for months, yeah, then this 
<laughs> we're on a different kind of pedestal at this point. So, yeah, yeah. So that, I think. I mean, if it, if it, if it ended at the point of um, how to know when when, when LDR is no more working, mm. yeah, fair enough. Yeah. But if you say particularly when you say for more, then see, so bro, we have to start talking about <laughs> communication styles. How you look at life generally? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So I think we can we can cut the question into two and deal with the part that you know you're speaking about, which is. Um, how do you know an LDR isn't working? But before we get to that, um, the, the three things that I think stood out quite a lot for me in this movie, <laughs> in the three, in the first one, obviously, was you speaking about stress, um, intimacy, and what was the middle thing? I keep forgetting. Uncertainty. Uncertainty. Yeah. So those are the three themes for episode one or the first part of this. On this episode, I think stress also featured in there. And what I wrote it down was challenges and stressors in LDRs. Number two is investment and planning. And number three is control and circumstances. So those are like the three big themes that we want to talk about. Maybe we might not spend too much on the, nice. on the challenges and stressors bits because we already covered stress in part one. And then we just spend a bit of time on the other two. And then the fourth point would be how to know it isn't working, which I think will feature in all the different parts of the conversation. Um, but some of the things that stood out to me quite well was, um, it was, it was now interesting to see your research play sorry well i guess the research and the papers you looked at it was interesting to see it play out in terms of if you look at the matrix of of the of the what yep. do you call it yep. rcc used to um that thing yeah <laughs> yeah yep, the matrix so that that looks at the maintenance behavior maintenance behaviors yeah against uh the time after separation yeah exactly so you know, it showed that really that third category of if you talk about your relationship to friends and family, but in the retrospective sense, like it's a indicator for increasing like stress in that LDR. And that's pretty much what this, a lot of the scenes in this were when it came to stress, because a lot of times, you know, she was speaking to her sister and he was speaking to his friends and those conversations were generating a lot more uncertainty and stress in them yeah. and their relationship. Now, you can argue that some of these questions are coming from a good place, but I think it was just interesting to see how that research played out in like a scene. Um, if you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. I think it makes sense because when you're at the point where you're like, I think obviously perhaps your people people around you will already see your, how stressed you are or maybe they'll see how difficult it is. Mm. Or, may, or maybe they just can't imagine themselves doing that. But mm. most 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 likely. Because it's very likely that you would have friends who are you knowing LDRs if you're an LDR just because of the number of LDRs to GCRs, right? Mm. Mm. And so if you're speaking to these people, whether they love you or not, they're likely to give you a response that they think should be a normal a normality of life, which is something that, that gets you towards the GCR as quick as possible. Mm. Right? Because nobody can really understand. If you say you love somebody, that's all that's all good and great. But nobody can really understand you loving somebody to the point whereby it might become a relationship that they cannot fathom for themselves. Mm. Um, is 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 I mean I mean I, okay I'm not comparing it but the same reason why some people that are even together in the same environment, you as a friend can spot some things toxic that you that you never mm-hmm. take. Um, but they they are fine with it, or so they they are okay with it. They are they are not spotting that. 
And they're thinking like, oh, in my world, I can't take this. Like, so why are you taking this? Mm. Um, but to them, they're probably just being negligible. They're probably being taken for a ride. Or probably just isn't any, any problem. Mm. Just appears that way. But just because as an outsider, you can never really truly interpret someone's relationship from their own lens. It's always be mostly be from your own way of point of view. So which is why yeah. I think when you go to other people, it's always quite hard to get a true, a true response that fits how your relationship actually works. And also when you go to mm. them, it's likely mm. that going to them is already signaling that you're already going through some kind of inner conflict anyway. True. Yeah, yeah. So there's yeah, that much. Exactly. Because, yeah. So question here though, because, so we're speaking from the point of view of, obviously if we're on the, if we're the main characters in terms of the people going through an LDR yeah. and then going to other people. But I'm wondering, is that, what do you think about being on the receiving end? In the sense that if you are somebody that somebody else comes to with like an LDR, how can you, kind of like reduce the effect of you being in that stress increasing box. Do you get what I mean? Uh, yeah, I think, I think it depends on our relationship. So let's say, okay, let's say it's you, for example, right? That mm-hmm. comes to me now and talks about some issues that you're having. Yeah. I mean, if, no, if, let's even say, yeah, let's say it's you. Good. That's, that's a good example because yeah. this actually happened in real life. Mm-hmm. So, if someone is close to me, I think at the points when they are starting, I will know about it. Mm. Right? And the point where you were starting, I knew about it. And I remember we had a conversation where I almost said everything that I thought about, everything you should think about. Yeah, yeah. When I remember that, like when you, while you were here in Birmingham. Yeah. And, and that was come from a place of before the context gets very deep, before the context, before the interpersonal gets a lot more colorful. Mm. Um, here is, here's a point where you are still nearer to me in terms mm. of mm. your, uh, how do I put this? Because you've not been with this person at that point for that long, the color of the, the richness in color of your relationship or the, the depth of context is not as deep. Mm. Mm. So, so, so in, in that particular point, I could still um, understand some things a lot easier or perhaps mm. think I understood mm. anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so which is why at that point I was like okay well um, think about think about many things right I mm-hmm. said many things to you that, that day not advice but what I would do yeah because at that point it was still very fresh to the point whereby the context of the context of what I would say could have still applied to you yeah because yeah. it was still very early um, and of course given that we are close then that means that as relationship as, as progresses I You're think kind my of, yeah how do I say this? I think my impulse was already at the base or at the beginning. So I'm already aware of, of those things. But if, some, if someone that comes to me as a shock, not as mm. a shock, some, some, someone comes to me and says, oh, I'm currently in an LDR and I'm going through some, some issues um, and it's bugging me. They may not say, oh, what do you think? They may not be talking to me, right? First of all, if it's somebody that I'm close with, it's going to be shocking for me to hear that for the first time mm. um, that way. And if that happens, I'll do what I will do. I'll ask questions. Mm. And, and asking questions sometimes, it's not for me to have answers, but it's for you to, it's for you to talk your way sometimes into meaning. Your own meaning, yeah. Um, even if that happens after I've left the room. Mm. 
mm. you get. Mm. But sometimes it's also for me to uh, to get context of your relationship before I can give a response. Because mm. some some responses can be easily easy to give, regardless of whether I know a lot. Mm. For example, if if someone says like my partner doesn't text or call me, mm. well, that's a problem. That's and I don't need to to know you guys deeply to know that's a problem, right? Mm. Um. Mm. So that's something that I can give advice on. So I guess generally my to just answer your question. If someone comes to me in in that kind of situation, I would already know that they are going there a certain LDR from the point where it happens. Mm. And at that point, I would give all my honest opinions on what they should think about rationally and emotionally. Yeah. Right. And given that, obviously, I have a conservative view of society, which is, I believe, believing in family and marriage and all those things. Mm. I would lean more to And I'll be talking in those lenses. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Um, um, so, Particularly when it's so, okay. somebody within our age bracket, like from like 26 to 30 there. But if you're 21, uh, I'll probably just, just say, oh, guy, don't worry, you're fine. I'll probably, I'll probably won't ever say, I won't waste any time, I won't waste more energy because... Yeah, you sort it out at some point, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so what I'm getting from this, obviously, is, you know, the context of the relationship is important. And as you've been on the receiving end, you know, you shouldn't be responding to... Because one thing you said at the start when you were explaining why the negative thing comes from friends and family is that they tend to respond from their own perspective as opposed to trying to deep themselves into your context and then speak from there, but with an external perspective. So maybe the takeaway from that whole section of this conversation is that if you happen to be the person on the receiving end where somebody's really coming to ask you a conversation about something or share their concerns with you, I think your number one job is to really actually fully understand the context from whichever points you're coming from. So either it's somebody you've already built kind of a relationship with or somebody that maybe there's a trivial relationship there before the context of that conversation, you are the listening ear at that point in time. Um, mm. So mm. It, it's, it's just pausing and I guess what I'm getting from you and just based on the feedback and what you've shared so far is really understanding the context either by asking questions and not necessarily answering the question from or if it was me. Which is quite, you, you, until you start to second guess and catch yourself doing it, you'll be surprised how quickly and easy it is for you to just insert yourself and be answering from your point of view in any kind of conversation. Because again, yeah. your view is what you've sat with all your life. So it's yeah, really the yeah. first place you're going to lean from. And sometimes it's either, because I know some people do this thing where there's a cop-out statement where you almost say, well, in my opinion, right? And you say what you want to say. But just saying in your opinion and then still spitting rubbish or saying not rubbish, but just saying a lot, you're still having an impact because you're planting seeds in that sort of way. Yeah, so yeah. it's still good to kind of like pause. But anyways, moving on to the next thing. Although the caveat there for move on yeah. is, caveat there is that telling somebody, if you're talking to somebody about, if I'm talking to somebody about something and involves giving them advice in court or responding to their question about their a strange long-distance relationship. Mm. The caveat there is related to number four, mm. is knowing when it is over. Because sometimes it could be that it is actually just over and your opinion to them is, regardless of whether it's from your context or not, mm. you're right. Because it's actually just over. <laughs> but that person just doesn't see it. Mm. And then at that point, there's really, there's really not much you can do in terms of convincing because they just can't see it. Some people like to hear all the advice possible in the world, but it doesn't mean that they will change. There's people that love to tell you about their problems, listen to you, 
but then mm. they'll leave you and current current doing the opposite of what you say. <laughs> you know, I met people like that. They 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 are like ad, they're addicted to Advice, hearing yeah. solutions mm. and and doing the opposite. <laughs> you know, it's Screaming. it's it's particularly in like relationship issues you yeah know, you know? yeah yeah um so in that case as the person who's giving the advice sometimes you sometimes nothing you can do there's people who just have you know love bombs or relationship bombs that whatever you tell them even if it's objectively already toxic or objectively already should end mm. they won't they won't nothing nothing to change yeah 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 fair enough okay so just quickly through some of the other stressors, you know, what happens when, I really hear that, what happens when distance gets introduced midway through a GCR? So maybe like a new job, certain opportunity, mm. maybe not so great news. Because I think we focused quite a bit on, and I know I touched on this briefly in the main conversation, but we focused quite a bit on starting and maintaining the whole thing as a long distance. But what happens when you kind of like didn't have any intention of being in an LDR and it gets introduced? You know, how do you handle those kinds of conversations? All right, so that's the preview of this week's Cinema Therapy episode. If you would like to listen to the full episode, head over to our Patreon page using the link in the description to get access to all our exciting premium content for all our lovely, lovely, lovely subscribers. That's it from me. Catch you next week.